Want to exhibit your work? BFF doesn't exist without artists. BFF will help you get in contact with neighborhood businesses and spaces and guide you through any other help you need. Start the conversation at BFFOmaha.org. BFF is dedicated to supporting the region's emerging and established artists by creating opportunity, exposure, and experiences that help them move forward while enriching the cultural competency of the greater Omaha area. BFF to the arts, BFF to the community, BFF. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I am Tom Noblock. Today we have something very related to the ad read, actually. It's almost like uh, it's like they tie right into each other. So we've got Caitlin Little, who is part of BFF and is a performance artist as well as a blogger, uh, an artist, an artist in all the, the relevant senses of the word, I would say. So, yeah, Caitlin is here to talk about that. She'd been on the show briefly plugging a BFF event before, but this time it's just a deep dive into her, her life, her experiences, and her whole philosophy on art and its adjacency. And basically, when is commentary supposed to be... When, when do you hand the commentary to your audience, and when do you let them find it on their own? Good talk. Uh, as always... Stick around for that. Before, though, let me just quickly plug that we do have a Patreon. So if you support what Riverside Chats is up to, which is trying to give you a look into the minds of all the interesting people here in Omaha, because not everybody interesting automatically moves outside of Omaha. That's the myth. We're here dispelling that at Riverside Chats. And we've done a lot of episodes about it. We've done over 30 episodes. Um, Let me look here. We got Megan Hunt up next week, so that's exciting. And I'll be honest with you. I'm at a point right now where the two people when we first started this who I was really excited to sit down with were Megan Hunt and Rachel Jacobson. And now that I've had conversations with both, or I, I haven't recorded the Megan one yet, but that's coming up soon. But, like, we got them. You know, we did it. And, like, the, to me, those those are probably the two coolest people in Omaha as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I know there's a lot of you out there who are not those two and also are cool. You're going to have to reach out. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling like... Do we take a hiatus? Do I just call it off? Do we do it? Do we do what the show was supposed to do? I don't know. I'm feeling a little uh, little unclear where to go from here because I feel like we're reaching the, the peak. So convince me I'm wrong, all right? Email us. Let us know if you want to be on the show. Let us know what you're up to, all right? Tell me you're as cool as they are and then prove it to me in a conversation with me. Anyway, if you do want to support the show, you can always go to patreon.com slash exarbancreative. We do have various perks at the various levels of giving. So as for now, though, stay tuned. I do have my conversation with Caitlin Little coming up momentarily. Enjoy. I can remember a lot of voice things. Actually, when I was like in high school, I recorded this. It was a uh, trailer for a children's show for kids who were deaf and uh, who had hearing parents. And so there were like puppets that signed and people who signed. And I was like the voice of one of the characters and I sang a song and that was fine because I was doing a character that didn't seem so bad. But I feel like, you know, anytime I've recorded stuff, I've just been like, Ooh, no <laughs> I don't know, you should be a normal voice. No, thanks. You sound like a normal person. So I had an ex-boyfriend that told me I kind of sounded like Teddy Ruxpin. Who's Teddy Ruxpin? Oh, you don't know Teddy Ruxpin? Okay, so, so in like the 80s, there was this teddy bear and it had a cassette player in its tummy. Yeah. And you could put these cassettes in and it would like move its mouth, but it like, it read you the story. It told oh, you the okay. stories. What did it sound like? Like apparently my voice, right? You're hearing it live. <laughs> <laughs> I am Teddy Ruxpin. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so. The original Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, right? I guess. I'd love to look that up. Who knew know. that you were getting a double, <laughs> a twofer today. 
Yeah, I never had one of those growing up. So me neither. We couldn't afford it. But <laughs> were they expensive? They were like nice. I don't know. He did live in the Republican part of Carter Lake, so oh, okay. he was obviously more well to do than I was. <laughs> well, okay. So you're from Nebraska originally, right? I grew up in uh, Iowa, actually. Iowa, I'm from okay. Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs, okay. And so your family was were they artsy type people? Artsy is not maybe a word I would use to yeah, describe okay. them. Um, a lot of free spirits, but nobody who was like what you would commonly call artsy. Okay. There's a lot of outsiders. Sure, okay. <laughs> Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> Fringe folks. Were you artsy as a kid? Um, I think I was, but I just didn't really get it until I was older that like that's what it was. I just thought that's kind of how people were. So like, how, well, well, how did that manifest for you, though? <laughs> so many ways. <laughs> so I was like perpetually performing as a child. Mm-hmm. My mom and my aunt had to watch about a million shows that I did. I used to like make all... I had six cousins... Plus my little brother. And so I would make everyone like be on talk shows with me where I'd be the host. I'm like, you're this character, this character. There'd be musical guests. Um, the, the Wayne's World soundtrack was performed about a million times <laughs> from cassette on a, you know, like a trunk in sure. my room. And I would take all of the, the shades off of the lamps and like adjust them. So the lighting was, you know, just perfect in my bedroom. So in no, the living room. no stage fright then. Well, I didn't. There wasn't a real stage, so yeah, right, it really but, didn't matter at the time. But like, you weren't embarrassed to perform. No, I love to perform, and you know, we. I grew up pretty poor, and so you know, we had cardboard boxes, and so like, pretend to be on a TV, pretend to go on a family vacation. Um, I don't know how many times that I've like live acted Mortal Kombat. Uh, <laughs> so you were all over the place in the kinds oh, yeah, of things you were doing, playing. Uh, you know. We, it, was, it was mostly my little brother and I playing together, so playing like baseball in the backyard. But you know, every player was a ghost player except for you, because <laughs> there's only two of you. I'm like, all right, I've got, the bases are loaded. I got ghosty on first, <laughs> second, and third. He's looking like he's gonna steal, but. <laughs> so I mean, why do you think it was that you were drawn to like make that a performance? Like you weren't just trying to entertain yourself; you were trying to include everybody else, right? Well, I think that was part of it. It's just yeah. like finding ways for everybody to be entertained, mm-hmm. because I pretty, you know. It, when you're one of the older kids, you just have to make sure everybody else is, like, not getting hurt mm-hmm. and, <laughs> like, being moderately entertained. Sure. And so that was, like, the easiest way to just get people to do what I wanted also. I don't know that most people would consider it that, though. It sounds like a lot of work to put on shows and things. Oh, yeah. Well, know? I mean, it wasn't work to me because that's just all I want. That's, like, sure. how I wanted to play. And yeah. they just happened to be, like, the younger <laughs> kids and they just had to do what I said. <laughs> or else I'd be like, they were not listening. Did any of your siblings go on to do anything artsy or anything performative? No. No? You were the only one? No. I was just um, I was just thinking about how I used to dress my little brother up, though, like all the time in like my clothing mm-hmm. and like do his makeup and stuff. And then I would hang a sheet like on the wall and do like glamour shots and make <laughs> him pose like for hours. And then like if my best friend came over, I would dress her up, too. So I would do both her hair and makeup. And put them in my clothes, and then they would both have to pose like together, doing all these glamour shots, which is outrageous. So, I mean, were you interested in trying to figure out then, like, how to do a glamour shot, or the specifics of like behind the scenes to even figure out how to put on whatever it is you were doing? No, I just think I've always been like really confident doing whatever I was doing. I was like, "This is how you do a glamour (laughs) shot." I'm going to do your hair and make it perfectly. I have a vision. And, and you must have been vision. persuasive because you could get people to do it, right? People just do it. Yeah. Well, they you're enthusiastic, <laughs> right? I mean, like you make yeah. it sound exciting and cool. It just seemed like the right thing. I mean, everyone's wanted to get a glamour shot, right? Have you I, not wanted to get a glamour I've shot? I've never thought about it until right now. <laughs> then you're like, okay, well. 
I don't know. I, I probably mean, have a bunch of costumes in my car. How do you decide what costume to put somebody in for a glamour shot? Well, it's really kind of about like what sort of energy they, yeah. they have. So like, how do you figure that out? So like, if you were to put me in a glamour shot, what would it be? Well, would we you, obviously want to we want to make something that looks good on you. So we would kind of just take into consideration like your hair and eye color, maybe yeah. like your build. Okay. We don't want to put something in like put you in something that's like sort of embarrassing sure. or too revealing or too matronly or but you can figure out what looks good probably better than i can on me oh yeah you know? definitely yeah because i spent you, years you as a visual merchandiser i've dressed so many mannequins yeah. i've combed so many mannequins hairs i had a job when i was my freshman year of college uh i worked at plato's closet really randomly and uh i was not great at dressing the mannequins honestly <laughs> there are lots of people who are not good at it Probably Plato's Closet is not a great place to go to find amazing mannequins to begin with. But, uh, yeah, my, my particular you were, expertise You were helping push them into that, get, yeah. that stereotype. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I don't know. But, I mean, so you start to figure this out. And then, like, at what point were you putting this energy into something where you're thinking, like, maybe I could do this as, like, a, a real hobby as an adult, maybe even a job? Like, when did that start to manifest for you? <laughs> like a year ago, maybe. A year ago? Okay. So it took I a don't while. Know. Well, forever, I didn't, like... I don't know. And I think this is a problem with like art and the arts is just kids aren't told that like, that's a viable career or that's like a thing you can do as an adult. Mm-hmm. There's all these weird societal pressures to do anything that's like not that. Sure. Like, oh, don't do that. You'll just have to be a teacher for the rest of your life. Right. Like, what's wrong with being a teacher for the rest of your life? Or like, what's wrong with like being a working actor or yeah. any of those things, which I think parents are like, but don't you want to have a safe job? Don't you want to have money? Or whatever those things are that people think make them happy. But I mean, that comes from a good place, you know? Yeah, like, but I think it's like really defeating because it's oh, yeah. like, if you want to be, if you're like, oh, I definitely want to be an actor or a singer or an artist or whatever, and everyone's like, oh, you can't do that. You can't make money. Right. And you're like, well, then what? you're not even going to try and you're going to work at like Rite Aid or something for the rest of your life. Right, so you because were, you just don't know that like you can do that and right. you can, you were, just, like it's just it's just a different path. So I mean, which were you, did you know where you wanted to channel that energy? Like if you were to pick, like I want to be an actor or something. Did you have one sort of way in mind, or no. you were like I'll do whatever? Every day was different, and every, like when I was little, I wanted to be a dancer, and then I went through like a stage of like wanting to be a pre- the president for like a really oh, long time. Okay, you should do that actually. We need, I, we need one of those. <laughs> I am the perfect candidate right now. <laughs> And then I wanted to be an attorney for a while. And then, I don't know, like recently I've been going through like life coach. That seemed like the oh, right okay. thing to do. What Spiritual is, professional, life coach, psychic to the stars. How do you get to that point? Life coach. I think you just like lose all hope in having like a regular career. But or what like people a, think is a regular career. And then, yeah. no, I think, I don't know. I just, I have like a lot of skills, I feel like. And I feel like people, someone else who maybe doesn't have this many skills or I'm really good at directing other people's energy, I feel like. Which okay. is maybe why I've always, you know, convinced people to be in my glamour shots and right. be in my plays and be in my anythings. Um, I don't feel like I have that same <laughs> energy towards my own, you know, life goals. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of pressure on a life coach, right? Like, you really have to look like you have it all figured out yeah, for them so to listen to you. I'd have to get, like, headshots, probably. <laughs> Ones that aren't just, like, photo strips. <laughs> but I know a lot of photographers, so I feel pretty confident in getting that figured out. And that's, like, one step in the life. I feel like that's part of... Yeah. That's probably advice I would give to somebody as a life coach. Get headshots. <laughs> Professional. Well, okay. So let's let's go. So you, you started kind of, like, all over the place. <laughs> and then I'm still you, there. You flirted. Well, then at some point you flirted with, like... 
president and then attorney is really practical, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it, was that you consciously trying to think like, all right, what does a real job look like? Uh, not just like an artsy dream, maybe. Yeah, I think it was jobs that where I could also be in like charge of people. Right, yeah, president, absolutely. <laughs> just because I've been, I was like the oldest kid or one of the older kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like in school, I was in student government. Okay. So even, even when I went to like away to terrible college the first year, I was like I was on their student senate somehow. Where'd you go to college? Oh, University of Northern Iowa for like half a semester. It okay, was, it was gnarly. Did you know what you wanted to study there? No, I just everyone was like, "You should go to college," and I was like, "Okay." Sure. And yeah. nobody in my family had ever gone to college, so I was like, "Okay, well, like wherever." And I knew some people that were going there, so I figured that was just as good as any place. Yeah, may as well go try it out. Yeah, yeah. and it was awful though. Like everything closed at five. Yeah. Zero culture, zero diversity, and even though I had no idea what I wanted to do, I knew that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Did you try to pick a major when you got there? Well, I had always been doing music things. That was kind of the biggest thing. I think everyone, all my teachers were like, you're going to be a music teacher. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do that. <laughs> Is that uh, just like you had the energy for it? That's what they thought? I don't know. I just Because all of my all of my classes were music classes. Okay. I was like in concert choir and show choir and any other choir that people would let me be in. And, took and student government? And or, instant government. Yeah, okay. I was in, I was a, I'm a perpetual joiner. Uh, yeah, okay. That makes I sense. I want to be in clubs or star clubs. <laughs> yeah. Did you start I in clubs? the club starter. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've, I'm always starting, <laughs> always starting clubs. When you were in college, did you start any clubs? Uh, not there, no, but I was only there for like a really short time. So. Okay, but you did, uh, it was student senate, is that what you said? Yeah, like, yeah. Was that your first sort of uh, time flirting with government sort of stuff? No, I was politics? like in, I mean, like in elementary school and junior high and high school, I was in student government, president. Okay. Nice. So like okay. all of those things. So I kind of felt like I could lead people. I think that's always, I'm always into leading people. And were you, I mean, were you the type of person, the type of leader who could actually figure out how things worked to sort of accomplish anything? Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. So I remember in school this one year, this bonehead kid was like giving the speech and he's like, and we're going to put like, you know, snacks in the you know, vending machine, like just ridiculous, not that sounds ridiculous now that I say that out loud, snacks in the vending machine, but you know, like we'll have cake at lunch every day and what, there's all these like weird promises. And I was like, I can tell you from my years on student government and just being a human being, like that's not the case. But then that's, here's the real deal. It's hard to sell the real deal. That's why they don't do it. Here's what's really going on. Yeah. I think people like liked that. I was like, no, but I can get you uh, at nighttime uh, school dance in junior high, no problem. And so, I did. So you, you you could do practical things yeah, in addition totally. to having big dreams. Okay. So is that when was what was the specific age when you're like I'm just oh, I should just be president of the U.S. I don't know. It was pretty young. I feel yeah. like it was like in, like sixth grade. Okay. I was like yeah. I could be in charge of stuff. <laughs> I can organize an all school skating party. I can definitely organize the United basically States the same or thing. whatever. Same set of skills. I just felt like. So as I got older, too, like kind of dipping back into some sort of government job it always like speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think about going to someplace like, I don't know, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It's like beautiful and desolate and like taking over a town. Like what if I got all of my most skilled friends and then took over a town, became the mayor, made a picture directory, started a kickball league, you know, made all like your a, clubs can yeah, be started. All the clubs yeah, can yeah, start yeah, right. here and people have to do it because it's going to be like a national day. Yeah. National Kickball Day. You could do that in just like Western Nebraska, I think. You yeah. don't even need to go to Wyoming. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I feel like that was an, an, that's an opportunity that I haven't explored yet, but it's still, I think it's on the table still. There's this town. Have you heard of Monowai, Nebraska? I've been there. You've been there? I had a drink. The, the, 
At the ladies' the, diner? The, <laughs> the mayor, the post office keep, uh, yeah. the one lady who wears it. Right. Served me a beer. Oh, nice. It was really cool. Yeah, so one person, town of one, I definitely think anytime I ever hear Monowai, it's like, should should, should we just move there? Because then we can take over. Like, it, it'd be so easy to take over that town. Otherwise, I'm sure it just goes away, right? Well, I would assume so. She's older. Yeah. So, but I don't want to take over, like, her. that's her vision. I feel like maybe she also was, <laughs> she was like me. <laughs> I think she's she's probably not going to, like, branch out that much at this point, though, right? You know, yeah, probably like, not. She's got her rhythm. She's got her diner and everything. Yeah. So, it's yeah, pretty you know, cool. Go do that then. You know, you take over Monowai. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's another probably city that I could take over. Do, do you have one in mind? No, not necessarily. But okay. Monowai's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, especially yeah why not? With the flooding. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. So, all right. So you go to college for, or you went to, what, what was the college again? Iowa? University of Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Okay. What city is that in? Cedar fucking Falls. Okay. All right. Yeah. I've only heard of that. I've never been there. But. Nobody ever really heard of it. So, I didn't even hear of it until I went there, and then I was like, oh, this is why I've never heard of it. And then you decide, this is not for me? Yeah, I had to go. And then what'd you do after that? Kind of uh, just bopped around. A lot of my friends went to school at the University of Iowa, so I went and spent some time there, basically not doing much of anything, hanging out. Yeah. And then I came back home, and I don't know, I was just so stuck on thinking that I had to go to school, so I went to like... Iowa Western for a while, and I was like, I guess I'll just do more music and literature, the two things that I like to do in my spare time. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I got a job and just slowly started like making money instead of going into debt. Yeah, that makes sense. When you were at Iowa Western, did you do anything with 89.7? No, uh, but I was the, <laughs> the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, like, I fall into these weird places where I'm, like, just taking everything. Yeah, well, you're successful at them, right? Like, you kind of figure out what to do. You know, you're like, okay, how can I be in charge of that? And then you learn how to do it, and then you do a good job with it. Well, the problem is I just, like, I want to use it for my own, like, personal mission instead of, like, whatever mission it was, like, made for. Sure. So people would, like, turn in articles without names, so I'd have to name them, and, it'd, of course, it'd be something ridiculous. Or, yeah. you know, they turn in like articles without pictures and so of course i'd have to put a picture with them and i don't know if that was i mean the 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 sponsor or whatever who helped with the newspaper didn't really care yeah what was your personal mission at that point uh, <laughs> uh do whatever i want <laughs> it's still my personal mission yeah okay i mean that makes sense so i want to get paid uh to do whatever i want have you figured that out? Have you gotten there? I feel like I'm getting pretty close. Yeah, you seem pretty I'm, close. I'm doing okay. I'm doing it a lot more than I have been doing. That's good. So, okay. Was the attorney thing, was that before college then? Or Yeah. Okay. But now, like, getting older, I'm just so, like, government just seems so... Bleh. Yeah. Even at a local level? Yeah. It just seems like everything is, like, just pandering to people, and I don't really want to... I don't want to do that. I want to make like real change. Sure. Not that you can't make real change being in the government. Sorry, anyone I'm offending, everyone I'm <laughs> offending in government. Well, it's but okay. But I think there's like a there's a slow burn change that comes through like creative action and forming communities and people who are like on the front lines who are you know giving that sort of butterfly effect pay it forward every day by you know being kind to people and creating programming that is for everyone and mm. you know just like being kind to people and doing things you love and showing other people that they can do things they love too and sure but don't i mean don't you think also like you see people in our government who are not good don't really have many qualifications aren't good at achieving anything at all and you're like i could do that yeah i just feel like it'd be really stressful <laughs> maybe i mean i don't know you but you like the stress to some extent don't you yeah to to a small extent 
But I don't know. I feel like people people don't want to vote for <laughs> people like me. Maybe. Because they're like, eh, I don't know if she's going to do it. I don't know. But you're, you're good at convincing everybody to get on your page, right? Yeah. I mean, you get oh, I mean have a hell of a campaign slogan. What, what would it be? I don't know. Like, um, There'd be great headshots, I'm sure. Uh, little bit of hope. Caitlin, little bit of hope. You know? <laughs> yeah, or um, I had a really good one. I think of them often. And I should just make a... A list of campaign slogans because I think they're funny. Yeah. Like my hashtag that I came up with was Caitlin Little in Omaha, big in Japan. So I could, <laughs> I think we could go something along those lines. Like, sure. Okay. Well, the, this show can endorse you already. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got our vote. Little idea, big hope, little vote, big hope, or okay. something, yeah, you know, yeah. something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. Feeling I mean, really Obama driven, <laughs> like, and that sort of thing. But I would never, I don't think I'd ever go with like a patriotic color story. I think that's a big mistake. Why? I don't know because it's like not that beautiful <laughs> all the years of visual merchandising make me feel like i would maybe be like a like a yellow and i don't know maybe like yellow and orange or like yellow and pink or i don't know i just feel like yellow is like an igniting color sure it's youthful it feels vibrant yeah i mean they don't really go for vibrant and youthful that often yeah and i would definitely not choose like a weird like ambiguous slogan yeah that makes sense so okay so i mean you and you moved away from I mean, little vote, big fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good slogan. I Everybody think, loves fun in yeah, the government. Just, right? just go for the state legislature. Yeah, I'm sure you can get there. You don't need to be that good. I've talked to some of the people on that. that uh, we see what they do. No comment. Yeah, you probably know a fair amount, right? No, I know nobody. You know nobody. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. Uh, so okay, when you so. You're kind of bouncing around, and then you finally got a job, you said, right? So after, after, did you graduate from college, or you no. just sort of, like, find a job, and you're like, all right, this is good enough? Yeah, I started working at The Gap again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dressing mannequins, right? Dressing mannequins. Yeah. In many, many layers. <laughs> More layers than are necessary for a Gap mannequin who are all wearing, like, solid shirts anyway. Sure. So they don't yeah. really need to be wearing, like, another solid color t-shirt <laughs> underneath, but that but was the, that's what they asked, and I gave them exactly what they asked for. Yeah. So yeah, I started working in The Gap, which I really loved that job. <laughs> you just got to like hang out with people, dress them up, make them feel good. Sure, yeah. And you're good at it. You know yeah. what you're doing. You listen to music all day. You get to wear whatever you want to work. And it was good music? It was Actually, it was pretty good music at The Gap. <laughs> I, that surprises me, honestly. It's weird. Actually, it was weird how good I thought the music was. And then, you know, I used to do all this stuff that should have probably gotten me fired, but... Um, like it, what? It didn't. what? Do you want to divulge any of that, or is that's, that secret? No, it's like okay. nothing bad. But like, I love mannequins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, there were all these like baby mannequins that were like these soft body forms, and just a lot of people that like wanted to dress up. So I would do all these sort of like Fashion Friday ish themes before Fashion Friday was like Fashion Friday. Sure. So like one time I like dressed this guy up in like all denim like a denim bucket hat and this like weird denim shirt and then i gave him a baby also dressed in the same outfit so we would just take all these pictures for some reason we had a polaroid camera oh, that's at cool the store, yeah, that's but fun. we never used it for anything except for when i was like dressing people <laughs> yeah. up and was it just like a bunch of old film that you could use them for? yeah there's a ton of film okay i think that was like part of the budget for the store it was like we just had it so it was sitting around so i'd have people like in the front window with these i remember we had these like grass I don't know, paper background things. And so I'd like set up this like picnic scene where everyone's wearing like big like picnic hats in the front window and uh, you know. Just... You, you could get fired for that or are you just having fun? I mean I don't know. I was having fun, but I feel like, you know, if you're a boss you should be like if you are a boss and you find someone just like <laughs> taking all the things around 
the place when they could be maybe doing different work. But I mean, there's something endearing but about it. But I was like pretty good at yeah, my work. Right. And so I feel like I sold a lot of gap cards. So, yeah, so you were safe. I mean, I was yeah. pretty much safe. <laughs> so were you, I mean, were you doing artsy things then in that uh, while you had that job? Well, I mean, <laughs> other, you could other just than see the these photos. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure those were amazing. <laughs> but like, were you also trying to, you know, spread your talent to other no, stuff? No, I think at that time I was like pretty much like giving up on the idea of having like a job that or any sort of like outlet for whatever I wanted to do. Like, I came home from school pretty defeated because I'm like, well, I guess school isn't for me. And I guess I'm just going to, like, work the mall or whatever and hang out with the girls at Piercing Pagoda mm-hmm. at Crossroads Mall. And so, RIP. Was that, like, a dark period for you or did you make peace with it? No, I just, I just think I didn't know. I yeah. think I was just trying to figure out whatever whatever being an adult was because I was, like, 20. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this seems okay or whatever. My first apartment was, like, sort of west this weird building with columns on it yeah yeah but then i started like making friends and kind of i don't know (laughs) slipping to bed habits yeah so yeah so i mean doing that i just didn't know i didn't have any i didn't have any outlet at that point in time like school had always been an outlet because i could you know i would host talent shows or be in Mm -hmm. plays or um you know have voice lessons or I played the violin for 15 years. Right. So I, would have, I had all these things to right. do all the time. And then I didn't have any of those, any ways to right. like express anything other than photo shoots at the gap. Right. Cause as an adult, it's like you have to rent out venues. You got to like yeah. make all these opportunities for yourself. And yeah. no, no one really tells you how to make those opportunities until you just no. decide one day, all right, I don't have any idea how to do this, but I'm committed to figuring it out. And so like, what was, when did things start to change for you? Well, I had moved um, and I had moved in with my, my first husband. That sounds so like so many husbands. How many husbands moved, have there been? Just one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, he's no longer with us. RIP. He's not oh, okay. dead. I'm sorry. He's not dead. He's not dead? <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, sorry. good, good. I'm if glad he's alive. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you're not dead. Um, so when we first started dating, I don't think I was doing anything like too weird, but kind of into our relationship i i hooked up with this group that kind of did some weird like i don't know like performance art movement music things so i kind of got like a taste for it so i was pretty excited to kind of do these things and then um i don't know it's like all of a sudden i was like i need to throw a man pageant okay yeah (laughs) and so i just all out of the blue we were like yeah once you had the idea you can't let go i was watching like a lot of toddlers and tiaras Mm -hmm. and i needed to i was just thinking i hang out at a levers and there are all these kooky crazy characters that hang out here and i'm like what if all of these guys were in a pageant just like toddlers and tiaras and you knew from your past you're like i can convince them to do this (laughs) i didn't think i could but turns out i just i never think that i can get people to do things not that i'm trying to get people to do things i just have this idea that would just be so much fun yeah and i'm like here's the thing that i want to do are you worried they're gonna say no yeah always i'm always worried that people are gonna say no i remember like when i work on stuff whether it's like if i'm like casting a movie for example i'm always in the back of my head it's never happened but i'm always sure it's like i'm gonna ask somebody to do something I'll send them a script and then they'll not only will they say no it'll be like this thing is so stupid you should just give up it's like I put all the insecurity in like this when you need somebody to say yes it's so easy to project all that onto everybody who you haven't asked or when you're asking or waiting for a response all that well I feel like I always get people that are like yeah totally at first and then they're like so about that (laughs) I'm not really sure if that's like what I want to do so there was a lot of like 
man wrangling to get yeah. people into this pageant because no one's ever done it right in Omaha. And men are probably hard to pitch things like that too. And right? it's like just like you know. Just regular old guys yeah. at Olivers that have never probably been in a man pageant or any sort of pageant. Sure, yeah. Uh, maybe not on stage before. Right. And so you have to just start beefing up <laughs> egos and getting them confident to do this and letting them know, like, people are not going to laugh at you. It is totally fine. It is going to be fun. And you're good <laughs> I'm gonna, at that, I'm going to make sure that, like, this is going to be awesome. And it was really awesome. It was totally weird. I didn't think anyone would come to it, so I charged a dollar. Yeah. And uh, I made some VIP seats, which came with, they were like <laughs> little gift bags that had tuxedos on them. And they came with a, a shot glass that was like a hand-printed Mr. O'Leaver's, hand-printed. And by that, I mean a Sharpie, drawn <laughs> Mr. O'Leaver's shot glass. And these like Jordi uh, LaForge uh you know, Star Trek glasses that also said Mr. Lieber is in the <laughs> nice. year on them. And you paid $5 to get those. And you could sit in the splash zone, the very, very front. But Did yeah. you sink a lot of money into putting this on? <laughs> no, because I didn't have a lot of money and I right. didn't know what to do. Or, I mean, I, like, I just, I'd never done it before. It just seemed like a great idea. And um, it, was, it was sweet. It was standing room only. People loved it. It was totally outrageous. I got some judges to just do it for free drinks basically nice um all the guys i think had a blast i came turned into a second year which was a little bit more of an investment i got some local sponsors we sold 84 vip wow. <laughs> seats at like ten dollars a piece and yeah. i mean it's still not a huge investment from the people coming to it sure but a great carpet runway it was outside <laughs> there was a huge tarp and an outside stage and it was Truly, truly outrageous. It's, I mean, was that the point then you got the bug where it's like, all right, I got to keep doing stuff like this, whatever well, it's going to turn into. I, have to, like, I need to find outlets. Yeah, I think I just started doing more kind of stuff like that. That's when I started to meet a few more kind of artsy folks mm-hmm. um, and started to, I don't know. I was like, okay, cool. Like, you're doing this. That sounds good. And somebody would be like, well, why don't you do this? And I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah, come to your art show and do a performance. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's like the same as when I was little. Like we're just playing. Like you just play a part. Whatever you're, whatever somebody needs, or sure. whatever would be weird at that time. Like you just go. And I had nothing to lose. I wasn't an artist or anyone that anybody knew. So right, showing up somewhere in a weird costume and pretending to be a fake doctor was like no problem. <laughs> I mean, it's just like an hour of my time. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you still never got to that point where you're like afraid of. I mean, what people will think of it. You're just like, eh, I'll try it out. Yeah, because I don't think there's ever been a time that I was kind of ever really worried what people <laughs> were ever going to think of anything I did. How'd you get to that point? Because I was going to just do it. Some people spend their whole lives trying to get to that point. I don't know. I think I just, I like, if of anything, I think I have a lot of anxiety, but I never have anxiety about the how good my idea is. Okay. I just feel like there's this, I always joke about having some sort of like direct download. Like I'm constantly streaming ideas. Yeah. Like not all of them are sticking and being like filtered out to be pulled out. But I feel like I'm just like this direct divine connection. I'm just pointing up on my head. I have two hands pointing up like right now on my head. Almost, just yeah. two antennas just reaching up into like the universe, just receiving the most ridiculous ideas <laughs> that I can. And I don't know, like I've never had a, I've never, ooh. I've never had a doubt of any of the ideas I've had. It's just the execution, I think, is the hardest part, which isn't that 
everything. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's like that's a mature way to look at it, I guess. And a lot of people just, it takes forever, it takes years before people can relax with some of that, like just with the ideas themselves. I was just born with that sort of like confidence and nice. ideas. Yeah. Which is why I was, I think, able to like get, you know, all my cousins. I think it's because I was able to get people at a small age to do it. I'm like, I can get adults to do this. Yeah. I can get people to vote for me. I can get right. <laughs> whatever. Well, I assume that's, I mean, that accounts for a lot of your ambition. It's easier to develop sort of your way of, like, if you are confident you can wrangle people, then it makes everything a lot easier to just, you know, to go from that conceptual phase to, like, well, I can figure this out. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a lot of, like, having to hang on with me. I'm not I'm not a, the most linear planner person. Mm-hmm. So, like, here's the idea. Here are the people I have. All the in-between parts kind of, like, you know... Uh, Right. But it's going to end up really cool. Yeah. So if you can hang out with me this long, like, we'll make it happen. It always happens. And you get people to trust you, though. Like, you're like, all right, whatever the end result is, she'll figure something yeah, out. I hope so. Well, clearly. I mean, it's <laughs> gone pretty well for you, right? Yeah, it's it's gone okay. So, okay, you did No huge flops. What was, Not like, the next years. big milestone for you, then, uh, after, you know, you do the man pageant? You were doing performance art at that then point? Then I started next? doing performance art. Okay. So... Uh, basically, a friend and I started going to our other, like most of our other friends' other or her art shows and doing real performances that were based on the theme of her show. Okay. So, um, the, like the first show that we ever did at Pet Shop, which was the first BFF ever, we did, the show was called Everyone's Suspect. And so we took DNA samples from everybody who came in. So like... Like spit? Spit, piss, armpit oh hairs, face hairs any sort of hairs and we were like fake i don't know research scientists and we wrote up like little field documents about them and then somebody else sketched them and then we like hung them up all over the room there was a show that was called um god what was it called some sophisticated beasts so she and i dressed up like (laughs) sarah and i dressed up like uh sophisticated beasts so we got these like ferret masks and wore like very beautiful like vintage dresses and pearls and gloves and we had a, a, a feeding uh like a feeding zoo so people could come feed us uh, <laughs> feed us during just, the show just to see how it went or is there like an overall goal no, with that, that or anything like no commentary just be there okay yeah it's just to be there and like just more of a i've been talking about this a lot recently about like adjacency i feel like a lot of the things that i do are about like just being adjacent to things like it doesn't have to be anything specific but the adjacency is the the key you know like sophisticated beast you're like is there a a end goal you're like no we're just gonna be sophisticated and beast okay how's that okay the adjacency thing explain that to me a little more it's just like it doesn't have to be any like it doesn't have to be a particular thing. It just has to be the thing that is, like, close to the thing. Okay, okay. Like, it just has sure. to be, like, <laughs> somewhere in the, the field. And that, I feel like that's when it feels the best because then people aren't trying to tie it to a specific idea or a specific, like, end goal. Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, it's kind of, like, in the theme. That's, is, that's enough. Is that because you knew you could get there? Like, you can get to the adjacency and you can't always get to an end goal if you have a big, stated, ambitious one? No, I think it's like, I think there's more fun in the sort of ambiguity of adjacency. Okay. Because people can then make their own sort of ideas and their own sort of, like, commentary on what's going on. And, that, and you, I think that's more important than having, like, an end goal where it's, like, you have to think this, I'm doing this because I want you to feel a particular way. But sure. I think people will get to the way they're going to feel whatever that is And you don't by being in the room. But you don't feel like you have to control where they end up with No. That. Okay. 
And I don't think, I think that's, I feel like sometimes a lot of things come off as contrived if you try to control where they're going to be, or unless you have a very, very specific goal. And I, obviously you can tell from my career path that I've never had a very specific goal. I don't know. There's no way for me to have a specific goal. Get the dances for the kids. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's Things it. like that. I know. The, like the end goal I've ever had in my life is like, this is going to be a musical number. <laughs> I just can tell you like the genre. But yeah. even then, you know, like have, giving people space to play. And I think, you know, growing up, having the space to play, having the space to move, having the space to explore is the biggest thing you can offer anyone to get something truly original or truly interesting because they're not like, oh, shoot, I have to get to, like, this end thing. Or it has to be, like, this particular linear path when you can kind of, like... Were you always that way? Or did you start out being more of a control freak with your... uh... Oh, I'm a control freak, but, like, in a different (laughs) different way. There's a lot of space in the space that I control. Yeah, that's a good kind of control freak. I think it's because I want to be informed by what's going on. So I always have a general idea of kind of what I want to do. But if Mm. I'm... Especially if I'm working with other people, it's like, okay, so, like, what do you think about this? And then they'll do something. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like... I've got the next. They've got the next step, or like try it like this, or do some other thing in mm-hmm. here. And I think working in that way gives you, makes everybody feel valued, and everyone yeah. kind of feel like they can. And also, sometimes there's like you can only do things that are your own experience. And so, if you're collaborating with other people and letting them inform you, like you will be inspired by whatever they're giving you. Sure. And do you think in some part as well, it's that confidence in your own ideas where you're like, I will be able to figure out where to go from here. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. I know that I know that I can get to the end. There's nothing I can't figure out. I think that's like, even in a a rational way, like if someone's like, Hey, take this desk apart. I'm like, I can figure that out. Oh really? I know there's an end and I know there's a beginning (laughs) and I know that I'll probably need some tools, but figuring out what those are, that is exciting to me. Oh boy, that's we're very different as far as that goes. Like, you give me an IKEA thing, and I'll be I'll be mad for two days about it. I'll be able to get done, but it's like, oh man, this is not You're easy. Like, uh, it's set up in the trash. So <laughs> yeah. check it out there. It's like, well, it's like half of it's cracked because I put it together wrong the first time. But it is it is a desk now. But I've definitely put together things like presumably wrong that end up being like kind of cool. Like, okay. oh, it turns nice. out that there's like an extra you know an extra shelf now. That's pretty cool. We just paint it. Yeah. It's fine. Well, yeah. Okay. So, it's, I mean, you were able to continue to do that. So, I mean, when you go from performance art, was there, were you trying to do other things as well? Or how long did the performance art era last? No, I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just trying to like. Just whatever came. Yeah. I was doing whatever. I was working, um, doing like fashion things. I've always like been interested in clothes and fashion. And I think it's, it just comes down to, excuse me, self, um, expression. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like I can express myself however that is at any given time and to help other people feel confident in expressing themselves too so you know dressing mannequins coming mannequins hairs setting up beautiful things making things feel symmetrical or interesting and I'm very like visually stimulated in that way my house is covered in wall hangings and knickknacks and mm-hmm color it's just like very it's stimulating <laughs> but then you know it makes me you know worry when i go to somebody's house and they just have like one thing on the wall or no things on the wall that freaks me does out. does this freak you out or no, uh, base, you have, you have kind enough. of empty wall here no y'all have enough stuff on the walls it's okay but we're I've, trying yeah. i definitely i remember going on a date with this boy one time and going to his house and he had like no things on the wall yeah and i was like you are going to kill me tonight <laughs> Please don't kill me tonight. I don't want to die in a room that has so la- so much lack of character. Please. 
Yeah, some, I mean, some people don't care at all, you know? Like, it's just like they don't eat, like, they wouldn't think to fill the walls at all, I feel like. But I think that it has, like, it has something to do with, and I, I think about this often when I'm redecorating. The first thing I do when I move into a new space is, like, redecorate my walls. Okay. And I think I just need a lot of, like, comfort items. And I like to be in rooms that, like, inspire me and make me feel good. I like mm-hmm. good space and good... You know, when I see pictures or art that I have in the wall that I've hung, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like, it's comforting. It's like having a, a blanket or something. Sure. Well, it's <laughs> that self-expression again. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're making it into, like, this is kind of how my brain works here. Mm-hmm. You can see around in the room. Yeah, so you feel safe, but it's also, you know, I think you should fill your, your life spaces with things that inspire you, whether that be people or colors or stickers or i think we we as humans like have always wanted to make art or decorate our spaces in some mm-hmm. sort of way and it just kind of freaks me out if people don't decorate their space like even well, a little bit yeah is it, i mean do you think it's a vulnerability thing it's like they don't want to put themselves out there enough to even make the room you know it's somewhat indicative of who they are as a human no those people should just probably be like i don't know like actuaries or something i don't know <laughs> like, they, 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 it's just like, like they look this is what i do one step you know at a time they don't they're not trying to be creative at all yeah but i think even then i mean there's ways that we do things even our our rituals our day-to-day things i think are ways that we express ourselves in sort of a creative way whether we mm-hmm. think about it that way or not but right i need, so, I need shit on my walls well yeah like okay so you, you could tell like okay what what would what's like an average room look like when you start with nothing what does it turn into generally <laughs> In mine, just a, every wall is yeah. a gallery wall. Yeah, okay. everything has like floor to ceiling stuff on it. Sure, um, lots of knickknacks, plants, yeah, stickers, um, found objects. Um, even the the mirror I had when my foyer in my old apartment just had like postcards from places or weird. My mom gave me this really weird like business card that I had up there forever. I don't ever have any pictures of people in my apartment or my house ever, except for photo strips. I love photo strips. What's wrong with other photos or other types? No, it just feels weird. It feels very like live, laugh, love. I'm so sorry for anyone who has live, laugh, love in their house. (laughs) I mean, it feels like a little. I don't know. Like when we went to this, I stayed at this Airbnb when we were in South Dakota, and it was like I assume they were newlyweds because every picture in their house was like a picture from their wedding and i'm like is this the only memory you ever want to remember (laughs) in your entire life it was i don't know it's weird maybe it's maybe i'm just jaded about love and about (laughs) like relationships but i don't know it was like really weird to me to just see photos of themselves yeah I don't know. I'd rather have something that makes me think of something completely different. But you would, I mean, you wouldn't even have pictures of people you know, for example? Not really. My refrigerator has some photo strips yeah. and like some drawings of celebrities. That, you, <laughs> that you've drawn? No, that I, I never, I never hang up my own work. Oh, okay. Interesting. Anything I've ever done, I would never hang up. Do you feel, weird... uh, is that egotistical in your mind to do I that? No, it just feels weird to me. Okay. Just, I mean, I think it's it's fine. I think if other people want to do it, but I, like, I would never if I like drew. Not that I'm like, also I'm not that great at drawing, so I would probably never have something that I had made up. Okay. Like I feel better about manipulating other people's <laughs> art <laughs> items on my walls than sure. okay. putting something up. But yeah, it's like um, my sister and I used to go through a phase of just um, drinking a lot and drawing pictures of celebrities that we found on a phone. Okay. And that would be like our evening was just to draw, you know. Who can you draw the best? Who's the best celebrity? Um, Sean Paul. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Probably the best one I've ever done. What about your sister? Uh, there's a really great Nicki Minaj on my, uh, <laughs> on my, uh, 
refrigerator right now. So. Oh, so your sister's drawing can make it on the refrigerator, but yours can't? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. So, okay. So I have other people's drawings on my refrigerator. That's like, okay, that's a safe place. Do other people have your drawings on their refrigerator? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, I haven't seen any when I've gone to people's houses, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. So, so. When you, so how did you get from performance art to something more like what you're doing now? What were the, what were the couple <laughs> big steps in the middle there? Keep going. Yeah. Uh, was it hard like to keep going? Like a lot of drinking? <laughs> well, I mean, like, did you ever get discouraged where you're like, ah, if I can't make money at this, why am I doing it? No, I've been really lucky. I think just growing up poor, I just never thought <laughs> making money was an option. And so, I, like, that's never been a draw for me. Like, yeah. No, like, I'm going to, if I want to do something, I will do it whether I will make money at it or not. And I think that is a lot of times why things are successful because I'm not like, yeah, I could do that if I had like, you know, if they're going to pay me $300. I just want to do this weird man pageant. I want to start a fake DJ collective. And if we don't get paid, that's cool. I just want to give people experience. I want to have a weird story to tell. Right. Okay. I mean, I think it's my secret passion. I've always wanted to be like a writer. So maybe when I'm old, I'll have all these like ideas from memoirs. I mean, surely with the amount of creative things you do, if you wanted to write a memoir already, you have enough to fill it with. Or, you know, did you ever do, uh, you know, fiction? Uh, not really. Fiction, so even reading fiction, like, doesn't really do anything for me. I love okay. nonfiction. Yeah. I love people's stories. And I love um, learning about things. So I have so many textbooks at home. I love a good dry textbook. <laughs> I just want to feel like at the end of, you know, two hours of reading that I have learned something yeah. or something about someone or felt, you know, completely destroyed by this person's life. That's where I, that's where I'm at with books. Well, what about like, uh, you know, just writing someone else's story, you know, like biography. Is that something you're interested in? I could maybe do that, but I feel like there would be so much embellishment that I don't think, I don't think like I everyone can, does that. I don't though. think I could do, do it to them. <laughs> Your editor-in-chief, yeah. uh, you know, qualms are going to come back. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they didn't ask for this uh, <laughs> this rendering of them in here. Like, I'm so sorry. Why is it that writing is more of like a secret passion than some of the other ways you express yourself? Oh, I think it's because writing is so like... Writing, I think it's the same way as like writing music. Or they're like super, super personal. It's So is it that vulnerability of what you create and putting it out there yeah, that totally. makes you uncomfortable? Yeah, because okay. I don't want anybody to think it's stupid. So like, but you, you'll go out. If I like, get other people involved, it's like it's like less burden of me. Yeah. You know, like there's more people to blame if it goes bad. Or you just something. have a co-writer, though. Yeah, it's, you? it's yeah. gonna be like five co-writers for my personal <laughs> memoirs. Like to me, I think if I drew a picture, that would be harder for me than if I like wrote a book. As far as putting both of those out, for some reason, it's easier for me to do writing than drawing. I don't know why that would be though. Maybe like I kind of feel like. I kind of know that I'm not great at drawing, so I feel like I've come to terms with that, but mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I'm kind of good at writing. So that makes so, it scarier. So it's kind of scary, because I'm like, if somebody's like, this is really bad, then, you know, they don't have to make performance art about it. <laughs> it's a whole cycle. <laughs> but what about that confidence in your ideas, right? I mean, Yeah, but it's the execution. Yeah. That's where the anxiety lives. But you know you can figure it out, right? That's sort of your whole arc. Yeah. It's like, I know I'll get to the end. I'll figure out how to make it good. Yeah, it's like a... Writing a book is no different than that. It's a terrible life to live, full of contradictions. Well, I mean, everybody is. Mm -hmm. uh, well, okay, so you're not, I mean, are you writing? Do you write secretly? I do write secretly. What do you write secretly? Well, I don't write that secretly. I have a blog. It's published. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, it's like not a, an amazing blog. It probably only has like 10 things on it. I go back and forth from writing 
I'll have like three days where I write and then I will not write for a long time. So. Yeah, just like the I Im- like impulse. to write. Yeah, I usually write like memories, things that I remember. Um, and I assume that that must get a pretty good reaction, right? People must like it. Yeah, actually, I did a really brave thing. So last year, um, actually not last year, I guess it's beginning of this year, I had breast reduction surgery. This was not the brave thing. Um, but I feel like it's like opened a lot of um, weird heart and creative energy that I have had kind of like smashed <laughs> behind my oversized breasts for a long time. Okay. And uh, I started writing around that same time because I was home a lot um, from healing for my surgery and stuff. And you're just like, well, I got nothing else to do. Kind of, but also I don't know. There was something that like switched that made me feel like I needed to write more, but. I I took like five of my writings and I went to an open mic and like read them out loud, which I had wow. never really done in front of anyone before. Yeah. So hearing my own words come out of my own voice, which sounds ridiculous because I'm talking right now and I do nothing but talk in public <laughs> all the time. But there was something uh, strange and vulnerable about it and it felt like really good to do. Yeah. Did it so, go over well? Yeah, it went over really well. Yeah. So, Where'd you do it? It was at Peach Trainers. Okay. So... So you brought, were these pieces related to the surgery or is it just sort of whatever? No, Um, like a piece about an ex-boyfriend, a piece about uh, this boy that I uh, was like an online dating fling. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a fairly personal, I wasn't sure if I was going to read a piece about uh, what had an abortion. Okay. It was kind of like all over the place. Um, Some like sweet, oh, there was a sweet memory about um, across the street from my childhood home there was a gas station um and we didn't have a phone for a lot of time in my life and so to call people we'd go to the gas station at the payphone that was like across the street so this kind of like i don't know i have so many good memories of like being at gas stations and like when i first learned to drive like going to like quick trip as Mm -hmm. like a destination and like getting a fountain soda and the way you know like the inside of a convenience store smells like like hot dogs and like candy and like sweet and cold all sure, at yeah. once and so it's okay so you they're sh- all over the place yeah well i mean i guess that's that's fitting too right <laughs> Surprise. You know, it's like all over yeah everywhere everywhere there's like any you know impulse for passion it seems like you're just able to sort of it. lock in somewhere right so that is just all on your blog then that's what you do with the writing yeah so that's not really secret right? it's I like mean, not that secret but like i don't like Hey, awesome new blog post. Check it out. Like I'm not oh, yeah. submitting them to anywhere. They just they live and some people know that they live out in you know, the ether. What's the blog called? Uh I think it's through like WordPress, but I don't pay for an actual like thing, but it's uh Caitlin Little Fan. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, so you do that, you don't share it. Do you share other pieces of art or performance art that you do? Well, most of them are pretty public, so sure, you either, yeah, right. you yeah, either you have to. I'm either in the streets of Lincoln in the middle of the, the road or, yeah. you know, somewhere. It's generally a lot of that stuff is very public. It's a good and, excuse to self-promote when it's in the middle of the street. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you just have to be. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, a lot of times I don't necessarily, perf- like, do a lot of promotion for those particular performances, but they're in a way that they have to be witnessed. Okay. Yeah, I think the idea of witnessing things is like really important. And so, what would be some of the other big performance arts that you have done? Um, what what was it? Performance performances. Performances. Okay. Performance yeah. arts. Performance arts. Yeah, I was like that. That doesn't. So, sound like, right. how many arts have you done? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one of the biggest ones that, um, if you caught me in Omaha Magazine, no big deal. Um, they talk about. Um, it's, it was never titled and everyone calls it Pancake Man, but it was basically me making pancakes and 
creating masks out of pancakes and basting myself in maple syrup in the middle of 14th Street in Lincoln during um, Lincoln Calling. That's less scary to you than going to an open mic night and reading. <laughs> totally less scary. Okay. I don't, somehow basing myself in fake maple syrup is like <laughs> way less anxiety like causing than having to read words that I have intentionally put on paper. Is it just because there's there's that layer of artifice in it? Like it's not really you being you know bearing your soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think it's just because it's a. I think it's the same thing. Like the same things are coming out, but they're in a way that's like you know cryptic or mm. in a way that's not so like. Like, I'm telling you this thing. Right. I mean, almost like you say you don't want commentary to be apparent necessarily when you're doing yeah. it, right? But like if you're writing something, writing kind of, it kind of is because you're saying every single sentence is a little bit of commentary yes. one way or another. So it can get a little more straightforward than I kind of feel comfortable. Okay. Interesting. With. Yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe it's like, I feel like it was just last year, but maybe it's actually two years now. I did a performance with uh, Chris Coos put together a, it was like a dating Tinder sort of uh, themed show. Mm-hmm. And I did a performance with uh, Doug Hicko, um, kind of about being a woman and societal expectations of being a woman, uh, where he basically stripped me of my clothes completely and like shaved my arms and put like spanks on me and put me in a dress. The time my head was shaved. So he put like a wig on me and did my makeup mm-hmm. and then he could continue to do my makeup until it was just this like terrible blur of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole time I'm, I smile, the enti- it's like an hour and 10 minutes performance and I'm just smiling wow. the whole time. So at the end it's so grotesque and like disgusting. Like you can't tell that he, like the makeup he did is so nasty cause he did it so many times and I'm smiling. And if you've, if you've smiled for more than like 30 seconds, you start to get that like scary, like, Everything's okay. Smile. <laughs> yeah. But I just imagine that after like an hour. I, I don't, I'm sure I've never smiled for an hour. Yeah. And in between, he was hanging up all these pictures of women from magazines behind me. So this sort of like very weird, obsessive. So at the very end, you just see me in a mirror looking, or I'm looking in a hand mirror. Uh, and behind me are all these pictures of women from magazines. And at the end, I see myself at the, like at the very end, he's like, you look beautiful and hands me the mirror and walks away. And I look at myself and I screamed and I like shatter the mirror, which went way further than I thought I was going to. I did practice. Like the shattering itself? I did not practice the shattering itself. (laughs) Well, Um, okay. Where was this one performed? This was at the front little space in Pet Shop. So there's like the little alley sort of gallery. Mm -hmm. So you actually had to walk through my performance to get to the back part of the gallery. And how was it received? I think, well, I know there were people crying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think no one knew what to do at the end of it. There was a lot of silence at the end of the performance. That's good, though, right? You just don't really know like what to think. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, I don't know. I didn't, I've never really got to talk about like how people who got to witness it felt. But you know, even the one in uh, Lincoln, this woman and her two daughters came over, and they were like, that was so amazing like thank you for doing this performance and i don't know like i never know what it's going to end up being or feeling Mm -hmm. like and i don't necessarily have set things that happen during performances like i know again like the outline and i know where i'm starting and i know where i'm going to end but kind of anything in between there is informed by who's there and usually i do music Uh, for the pancake performance i did the same song i repeat for an hour the other performance i did um i did kind of like a kind of like 50s um sort of i don't know singer 
I don't know, just like 50s music. Okay. So like, it's kind of like, you know, she's she's 15, she's beautiful, she's mine. Oh, okay, like sort yeah. of like songs where they're kind of like so sort of strangely creepy. Yeah. Uh, which gave it a very strange feeling right. about, you know, um, beauty expectations yeah. in our world. How do you gauge whether something like that is successful? Is that something that you can tell because you're performing it? I don't think it has to be successful. Like, I, I don't think there's... I don't do it to, like, hope that, you know, like, I don't make money from it. Like, no, sure. people aren't paying me to right. do these. I think it's more just, like, get whatever I'm thinking out. Yeah, well, I mean, like, success can be just your own satisfaction, I assume, with it. I feel pretty good about most everything I do uh, as far as, like, performances go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because I give myself the space to kind of do that, which okay. I think everyone should give themselves some space to to breathe and be and... I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's, like, an end to being successful. I think maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think artists in general are kind of, like, jammed up with, like, ideas and things that they need to get out, which is why they're, like, creating. Mm -hmm. And so to just be able to, like, get those things out just feels good. Right. To just be, like, done with that or to, like, process it a little bit to just get things out feels, like, whew. But you, I mean, do you look back fondly then on what you've done? Or do you look back, is it, and you're like, well, I can tell what I was trying to do, but I don't know if I really did it in a way that worked or communicated what I wanted to communicate. Yeah, I never have any ideas of what I'm going to communicate. And so I feel good about that. But I always have a lot of anxiety for the next performance. Like you won't be able to top yourself? Yeah. Okay. Or like, I don't know if that's like a thing. Like, not that I have ever done something so well that I'm like, no way I'm ever going to do that again. I retire. (laughs) But like, I mean, even like the one you just described, there's, I'm sure there's like this raw emotion and, you know, there's this element to it that that's powerful i mean the ideas themselves are powerful and then to be able to do that again i'm sure it's like i don't know like we really captured something there i think with doing performance art as with 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 anything really is like how do you how do you make something that is like not contrived like Mm -hmm. not feeling like you are doing something derivative or that someone else has made or that's so just like obvious right that whatever you're doing is like okay cool i get it like i see what you're trying to say right um that I don't know I want it to feel that's a high bar yeah but I want things to feel so like natural because I think there's so much ambiguity in our everyday things which is why I never use any items that are outside of the realm of like reality okay I I use music that people understand or I'm familiar with I use familiar items and familiar places and so I don't know if you keep observing the sort of mundane long enough you'll start to feel like grossed out by it and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where that's where things start to get like weird and we can start kind of coming up with like new ideas and processing uh, kind of just like the everyday things that you deal with it in a different way and mm-hmm. start to explore those themes or like, why do I feel like this? Like seeing this, you know, with like watching repetition or like, have you ever just said the same word over like, you know, a hundred times? Probably. Like, Maybe not a hundred like, times. like star, but... star, star. And after a while you're just like star, star. Like yeah. what is this word? I'm, what does it mean? I Why am I here? I... Who am I? Right. Like, yeah, you start, yeah. like it starts breaking down on you. Sure. Yeah. And I want to like explore that area. <laughs> well, do, you, do you think that, that freedom from having to do things that are contrived is why you've stuck with performance art rather than trying to be like a more traditional actor? Yeah, and I like I think acting doesn't do as much for me. Like pretending to be people is fun mm-hmm. and exploring that space, but I don't know. I think it's maybe because I have such a strong will to perform my own ideas. Right, you get control. Yeah, like I like the control of doing that. Um, but also, I mean, there's 
it's there's too much control in that like I've never been good at following rules traditionally like I'm really good at figuring out the way to get to the same end part but but like going around or finding a faster way or going sure over or under or whatever that looks like mm-hmm. um, like I remember when I was learning long division, I couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure it out. It was so confusing to me. And then we had a teacher that came in and showed us like the shorthand way to do it without writing everything out. And it like clicked immediately. I was yeah. like, oh, why didn't they just teach us this in the first place? <laughs> like sometimes sometimes the long way or the traditional way is not the easiest way for me. Mm-hmm. Or I just feel like it just feels so boring or played out that I need to just explore something different. Right, like and I'll find my own way to do division. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't end up being the end goal and sometimes you go back to doing the other thing but knowing that you explored that space mm-hmm. I think it's really fulfilling yeah and, and I think if more people have, like explored the space around things someone I was just talking to um, this band came in town last night and I was hanging out with them and she's like I think more people should just get in their cars and drive and I'm like yes totally because we're just so used to living in our like triangles or squares or our spaces that mm-hmm. once we start getting around there we start, you know, realizing the things that are similar or the things that are different or the way we can, I don't know, interact in spaces differently. And right. I don't know, just having some, like, I think a lot of it is like being able to force people to change their worldview without having to like leave their, leave their bubbles. Sure. Yeah. Well, are you working on a current, is there a current one that you're working There's on? There's always like 300 things I'm like working on. Is there an okay. imminent I'm performance really, though? Ugh, I'm so bad at like, I'm so, I'm such like a commitment phobe. I'm really trying to. I have like three things that I want to get done. I need some. I need some help on. Um, I'm actually doing a show this week. At the end of the week, it's like a brunch themed sort of variety pavilion fever dream. Okay. Uh, with many working parts about brunch. So. Is it at a brunch place? Uh, no, but the. There will be brunch served. <laughs> there have to be. Are there uh, waffles? Are you going back to the waffle thing? There's no waffles. Oh, there might be pancakes. Okay. Um, but it's going to be... It's a lot of uh, performances on a theme. This is a little bit more artsy. Um, I started working at the Benson Theater and having some space to kind of like create some shows and help create mm-hmm. some shows. And so, That's a fun space, too. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool space because it's, it's very tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can pretty much use the whole space because you don't necessarily have to be like mic'd. Right. Um, you can manipulate a lot of different lights, a different like different ways and different spaces, and like be in people's personal space very easily. So it's really exciting to do <laughs> shows like that. As far as performance stuff, um, it's been like a rolling year that I've been working on uh, a piece about like memories. Okay. All, kind of like the Giver. If anyone's ever read that, I read it forever ago. I remember vaguely. What sort it was of about. like that. Um, I'm working on another piece, kind of about. Um, like self-image and uh, our sort of like digital world. Mm-hmm. So, so gotta, there's always something like stewing. It just kind of, it takes a while for the right pieces to fall together and to have the right space or the right time to do it. Mm-hmm. I never try to, I'm never like, okay, in a month I have to have a piece ready and it's going to be for this. If I do that, then it ends up, I'm like just so, it just scares the shit out of me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I like, I, you know, I have like a rolling notebook and ideas about things and, I have meetings with other people that I know that are, you know, I'm just like, what about this? Or what if I did this? And then people can give me some insight into kind of what they're thinking. I don't know. Sometimes when you think about something too hard in your own brain, 
you just you just get stuck. You just get right. jammed yeah. up. So right. just even having someone be like, "Well, what about this?" And you're like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" And then ideas are flowing again. The dam has been unstuck. Right. Do you? I mean, do you generally start then with like a theme of some sort? And you're like, "This is kind of what I want to explore one way or another." No, I think the theme is always last. It's always a. Um, there's some sort of. I always have like an idea of how I want something to look. Okay. Like I have kind of like a vision of like myself doing something or the space I want to do it in or so if we could use an example and so you said self-image right Mm -hmm. do you know like you do you have a starting image then for that one um it would be like a thinking about like a an Instagram post like just the the square Mm -hmm. um but like in a three-dimensional way where you could see like before like you could see all the way around that post so like if a post were like stuck in time Mm -hmm. and then that like little frame was the kind of barrier between you and the digital world you would be able to be able to move throughout that whole space so you start with something like that and then is it coming up with all the details to fill in what that image would actually be Mm -hmm. that you have to like that's the next step in progressing it yeah and finding out kind of what like I don't know. Uh, a lot of times I don't necessarily perform by myself. So finding the right person who can also help explore what I think that I want to explore. And so it would be working with that person then? Yeah. Usually okay. I have an idea of like what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like just drawing the bones of something. Like you're like, oh, cool, it's an elephant. But like you don't know like what color the elephant is or if it sure. has you know wrinkles or lines or tusks or anything. Like those parts kind of get filled in or... Okay. Again, all the spaces are left very intentionally open because I think where you are that day, emotionally, like mentally, even like in the space itself, like the lighting that day, the weather that day, whatever, all those parts inform what you're doing and Mm. you can never redo these things again, which is another thing I really like about doing performance is like, this will never be the same. Right. Yeah. Like after this moment right now that you and I are having exactly right now, like you will never be the same. Like, right. yeah. like every time you move forward in space time, you will never be the same. It's and all- like, it, that's so it's freaky and cool. <laughs> and it feels so good to know that like we can move forward and like rid ourselves of the past and constantly be re, you know, yeah. formulating. Is it, I mean, it's kind of a lot of pressure to put on yourself though. Right. Cause like on that day, I have to both be present and full of enough things to make something interesting out of it, right? Yeah. Does that ever daunt? Is that daunting to you? Oh, is it scary? 100%. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Like, are you but, nervous the day of? But, You're like, I don't know. Do I, what, do I, what am I going to do? It's just like any sort of performance. Like, I, I, I assume that anybody who, I don't know, plays music or is on stage or any sort of, you know, even when, when you're recording, it's sure. like, you're kind of like nervous to the point of like when you're doing it and then you're doing it, it's like, ah. You know, like hopefully, yeah. <laughs> unless it's not going. I mean, well. you just have to yeah. like you have to go like when you're there, you just have to go with it, right? You yeah, know? you like cut the wrapping paper, and then it's like. Whew. I like that. Yeah, I've I found uh, you know, like I used to do a live radio show forever ago, and it was a four-hour-long interview show. I do sometimes four interviews a night, and it was like the fact that I have to be here for four hours. I'm going to talk to these people I've never talked to before, and it's like I have to figure out a way to get through it. The the fact that that requires you to be so present and figure out your way to get through it was really addicting to me, I thought. I don't know if it's similar. Yeah, totally. Like, you have to be in that space. You have to be 100% engaged in what you're doing or else it's totally dumb or else you can't do it or, right. you know, any of those things. But also it kind of gives me a chance to... I don't think we spend a lot of time being fully engaged in what we're doing oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, we're constantly distracted. We have our phones in our pockets or... 
I don't know, any number of things that are weighing on our minds, but to be able to just be like, um, I'm in this space, I'm doing this thing, I can do nothing. And I give myself those sort of like rigid things, like I am just doing this. Right. Yeah. If people are yelling at you or talking to you, you do not engage with them. You just continue to, it's like meditation. Like yeah. You continue to re-engage in this like sort of singularity of like being, which sounds totally. Yeah. I get it. No, I understand what you mean. Yeah. New age. No, I mean, I, I think that we, as a society, right, there's so much all the time We're for everybody. Pinged. Yeah, but it's, it's it almost, it, there's an addicting element to just having to focus for a little while. Yeah. And I mean, I'm even like. It feels good to yeah. just be like in it. Right. Like doing a show like this, I have that same thing. There, sometimes I don't know when I need to like address certain things, even because like if there's a flow going. Like for example, Last week, there were these people in here. Somebody brought somebody with them just to sit in the room. And so while we're having the conversation, the conversation's going well. The person sitting there starts to fall asleep, starts snoring. And it's like, should I? <laughs> we're having a good flow of conversation. Do I need to stop that and talk to this person? And it's you like. Just let it go. I did, yeah. And I don't know if it was the right thing. I'm sure you can hear a snore or two in there. But... That's okay. I feel like that's. <laughs> it's like, should I mention that? But that should like I... informs what you're doing. Like all of oh, yeah. that, you yeah. know. Right. Well, okay, so I think I get sort of why you do performance art. And so, like, do you have any ones that you want to plug right now? Is there anything that you're working on that you want people to look up or anything? Please come to every performance I ever put on social media. No, there's there's nothing in particular that's uh, necessarily coming up uh, other than the brunch show. It's uh, July 20th at 7.30 and July 21st, which is at noon. Okay. They're at the B-side. Of Benson Theater. Where can people find you on social media to find all your upcoming ones after that? <laughs> oh, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you can friend me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Caitlin Little. I think there's a picture of me in a dumpster. That's why you're uh, shaving uh, Velveeta cheese off of my face, so you'll know it's me. It's a picture of Zach Schmieder and Taylor Jesperson uh, kissing in front of drag queen protesters as my cover picture oh were you at that protest uh the other day yes okay yeah i walked out we did a show on saturday and i walked out and i was in the middle of it and so i see all the people with their trump signs and stuff and then i see the other people and i didn't know what was going on and so i'm like all right so i can can deduce really quickly like all right these guys are mad about something and these people are probably more interesting i'm gonna go find them and talk to them about it well the funny part about the protest is like so many of the protest signs were so ambiguous right i had no idea what they were mad about there were some that were like drag queen Story hour is here. And we're like, thank you. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, like an advertisement yeah. almost. <laughs> yeah, like from across you, the can street. Can you put the time and date on there too? Because that's going to be really helpful. <laughs> well, and the, yeah, and they were so spread out too, which I understand was somewhat strategic, you know, uh, yeah. to arrange that. But like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. They're just, they're mad about something and they want me to vote for Trump. That's all I get until I actually ask somebody about it. It was fine. They were, um, they came, it was weird because they kind of came before the event and didn't really stay during the event, but. Yeah. I don't know. It's like weird. I assume they went and got brunch seeing the demographics, right? I hope so. If they if they love brunch, you guys are gonna want to come back for <laughs> come back and protest my show <laughs> next weekend. But yeah, a lot of the protesting was a little bit uh it was confusing I think to people. So people weren't quite sure who was like protesting and who was counter protesting. Yeah, but right. Taco Co gave us some tacos, so that was really cool. Oh, yeah, Thanks nice. guys. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So they find you on social media. Are you or, on? Uh, oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, Instagram is I'm Caitlin Little. Okay. Cool. So follow me. I'm always uh, Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram unless I'm actually doing like a show. But be my friend if you want to perform or do something weird or need some insights to that. Be my friend. And what was the blog again? Let's hang out. Oh, it's I don't even know how to like search for it. It's on WordPress, but. The like URL or whatever has something to do with <laughs> Caitlin Little fan. 
Uh, I think there's a link to it on my Instagram if you're like that yeah. eager to read the things that I've written. Or they can go to open mic nights, maybe. Maybe yeah. they'll see you one day. Yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Riverside Chats is hosted by me, Tom Noblock. I produce the show along with Ben Matukowicz through our company, Exarvin Creative. We're housed at Studio 62, right in Pet Shop in Benson. Our theme music is provided by Kevin McLeod. You can check out his site at incompetech.com. And check back next week. We will be having a conversation with Megan Hunt. Very exciting. Very excited for it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned for all the future guests, all the future amazing things going on. And as always, one last plug. If you feel so inclined, head on over to patreon.com slash exarbancreative if you want this show to keep going. 